Texas Tech basketball is set for the biggest game of their young season. It's Davion Warren versus Rasir Bolton, Terrence Shannon Jr. versus Julian Strother, and Daniel Bacho versus everybody. We've got an absolute bombshell of a Gonzaga preview coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for a special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. I am Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by my co-host, good friend and longtime analyst, Emery Lida. And also, we have a very special guest who we are lucky enough to have on today. And that is Mr. Andy Patton of the Locked On Zags show, another member of our great network. Andy, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I highly recommend that you all go check out Andy's show, Locked On Zags. He's got a lot of good stuff. Um, on the Texas Tech matchup, but also on Gonzaga basketball as a whole. Been listening to a lot of his stuff today, seeing his perspective, but we're lucky enough to have Andy on today to bounce off some ideas for what he's seen from this team and also what he thinks about Texas Tech. So, Andy, I mean, we, we've we all been watching college basketball. Gonzaga entered the year as this insanely touted team. They had a very good six-game win streak to open the year. And then they quickly began to look a little bit human. They had that loss to Alabama where it looked very concerning. Obviously, that very close win against Tarleton State, that caught a lot of attention. So curious to hear what you saw from that team that made them look so dominant early and also what you think makes them human now. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, Mark Few has been kind of uh, trying to pump the brakes on this team from the get-go. He was kind of, you know, it's a very new team, obviously. And, and last year's team, I think, kind of spoiled people in a lot of ways because they hit the ground running so fast. You know, they they blew the doors off Kansas to, to open the season. They beat Iowa early. They beat Virginia early. And so people kind of thought, well, this will be the same same situation this year. But they're really young, obviously. Chet Holmgren. Uh, is a freshman. Julian Strother is a sophomore who really barely played last season. Those are two of their big starters. You have two freshman guards coming off the bench and, and Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. And so I think there was some expectation from the staff that this team might struggle. And then they went ahead and destroyed Texas and beat UCLA by 20 in their first two big games. And so it kind of, it clouded those expectations a little bit. Well, then you see that three-point loss to Duke, which is not not a bad loss, but kind of hurt a lot of people. And then the Tarleton State and Alabama games, which are more concerning. We saw a team that seemed to really, what, <laughs> the funny thing is what really happened is Texas couldn't figure out how to stop Drew Timmy and Duke, really they they did a little bit but it was a really close game throughout and what 
What Duke figured out and then Tarleton State and Alabama finally did as well is the easiest way to stop the big men is to prevent them from getting the ball. And the best way to do that is to stop the guards. And this is what Baylor did really successfully in the national championship last year. And what other teams are starting to figure out is they can put pressure on Gonzaga's guards basically as soon as they get across half court. And Andrew Nembhard, obviously a very experienced, talented player, two years at Florida, but he has looked a lot more human these last couple of games and he's turning the ball over more and he's kind of struggling to get the ball uh, into Gonzaga's biggest playmaker's hands and Timmy and Holmgren. And the rest of the guards are very young. Obviously Bolton, we talk about him. He's you know going to be a big factor in this game, I think. But that has been the biggest issue is Gonzaga's backcourt is not they're more tentative, they're more hesitant than they were early in the season, and it's kind of caused this offense to look a little bit disjointed. And when when Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren aren't able to get the basketball in scoring positions, this team is susceptible to to uh, to losing and to, to struggling in, in big chunks of games, which is what we saw in those last couple of contests. Yeah, Andy, that makes sense in a lot of ways and sort of matches what we've talked about in the past. But one mm-hmm. thing I've looked at offensively that stands out to me is the three-point shooting. Obviously, mm-hmm. you guys have had elite two-point shooting for what seems like forever. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, one of the most efficient half-court offenses out there. But this season, the three-point shooting has kind of taken a step back a little bit, mm-hmm. only about 32.9%. And mm-hmm. specifically with the guards, Nimhard specifically has kind of struggled in that sense. Mm-hmm. So do you see that as being something that's going to continue to be a struggle, or do you think it's just kind of the result of early season variance? Um, I think a little bit of both. I, I've been pretty adamant on my show that I think Gonzaga is a, a bad three-point shooting team. I think that when they have good games, it's kind of, it's not that they're turning the corner and they're now a good three-point shooting team. They're, they're a bad three-point shooting team who can occasionally have a good day. And I think the best way for them to, to alleviate some of these issues is to shoot less threes. We, we've seen them, I think somebody pointed out they've shot like 23 threes per game which is higher than they've shot in the last seven years and it's like this is a team that shoots you know the one of the highest field goal percentages on twos in the game in the country and they're shooting poorly from three and they're still taking a lot of them and the, the main reason is because defenses are, are giving them that shot they're you know packing in the paint as much as they possibly can uh, and letting Gonzaga's guards shoot over them and it's it hasn't been a successful <laughs> strategy so far for the Zags and I don't imagine it's going to continue to be I think Julian Strother is a key part of that because he is a good three-point shooter one of the only ones on the team who I think is a consistently good outside shooter, but they need more than that. Andrew Nembhard has never been a great three-point shooter. Rasir Bolton has been at best an average three-point shooter. And so for this team, I don't think it's going to get dramatically better. And I think what they need to do is figure out alternative ways to get the basketball to their playmakers under the basket without just settling for long range shots. Because I don't think, I think it'll probably get a little bit better, but I don't think they're going to flip a switch and and suddenly be a 37, 38% three point shooting team. I just don't think that that's going to happen. It's definitely a strange contrast to see how good Gonzaga is inside and then to look at their perimeter offense and just seeing what their struggle has been. But you mentioned Julian Strother. And he is a guy that has just continued to catch my attention this week. As I've been watching tape, I think he's the best three-point shooter on the team. It definitely looks Mm -hmm. that way by the numbers. But obviously, this Gonzaga team has a lot of headlining names. Chet Mm -hmm. Holmgren, Drew Timmy, even Rasir Bolton for Texas Tech fans. But talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about Strother and what he does for this Gonzaga team, because I think he might be somebody that Texas Tech fans will be a little less familiar with. 
Yeah, you know, he's a guy who he was part of this huge recruiting class that Gonzaga got last season. They were named nicknamed the Tricky Trio. Uh, it was Jalen Suggs, of course, one and done superstar. Uh, Dominic Harris, who was hurt this season and has not suited up yet. And then Strother was kind of the the third piece and not talked about as much. He was, I think, the lowest rated recruit in that group, but he was still like a top 60 kid. He was a Las Vegas high school kid, did really, really good score, but hadn't really shown any other aspects to his game. Played very little last year because Mark Few played Corey Kispert about 35 and a half minutes per night. So there just wasn't a lot of opportunities for him. But he, I think he's hit three threes in Gonzaga's first NCAA tournament game last year and kind of caught some people's attention. Like, hey, maybe this kid's going to be ready to go next year. And now he's he looks fantastic. He's, he's a great defensive player, which is something that I don't think even people who followed the team really closely expected him to come out and be this big physical you know, defensive player out on the wing. He looks like a prototypical three and D type NBA player, which is why he's starting to crop up on draft boards, even though most people didn't, didn't have him on the radar going into this season. Uh, He can score multiple different ways. That's something that, you know, I think you look at his three point shooting and kind of think of him as just an outside shooter, similar to how people thought of Kispert, but really Strother's good at getting to the rim. He's good at shooting in the mid range. Uh, He needs to work on drawing contact and getting to the free throw line, which is something kind of the last evolution of his offensive game that needs to show up. But up to this point, he's been a phenomenal offensive and defensive player and one of Gonzaga's unsung heroes. Definitely a guy that has caught my attention and a guy that can make you pay if you want to sag off Mm -hmm. and let Gonzaga get those shots. But coming up next, we'll continue to hear about which Gonzaga players could be difference makers. But real quick, a word from our sponsors. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Do you have poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and so much more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. NetSuite can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those who are ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa for a special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We are here with Andy Patton of Locked On Zags. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview for 2021. 
local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. It's the most comprehensive college football playoff preview, and it begins this Friday. But before any football talk happens, Texas Tech has a massive game with Gonzaga in Phoenix, Arizona. And Andy, I really enjoyed your podcast today, or I guess yesterday on Thursday, where you talked a little bit about Texas Tech and how they match up with Gonzaga. A guy that you mentioned a lot as potentially the X factor in this game was Rasir Bolton. And I know a lot of Texas Tech fans are familiar with him. Felt like he was at Iowa State for forever. Seemed to always give Texas Tech a little bit of troubles. He's a really good player. I'm interested to see and hear how you've watched him fill in this new role at Gonzaga. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Gonzaga has obviously really had a lot of success on the transfer market lately. That's been a huge part of their program from, you know, guys like Kyle Wilcher and uh, Nigel Williams-Goss and Brandon Clark are, you know, three of the most notable ones in recent years. And they've done a really good job of bringing in kind of veteran guards to kind of fill out their roster. And, and I think that one area that they've succeeded very recently is guys who were like the guy at their school and, and maybe their numbers look, you know, they had good numbers, good scoring numbers, but they weren't very efficient and Gonzaga can bring them in and put them in a role where they're more likely to be successful from an efficiency standpoint, because they're not, you know, the only talented player on their roster for a year and a half Rasir Bolton was really the only good player at Iowa state after Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. And so they kind of, you know, his three point shooting and his overall field goal percentage was okay, but it wasn't great. And that was because teams could really kind of funnel all of their defensive energy towards him. Whereas here on this roster, that's not really the case. He's the fourth or fifth option on offense, depending on, you know, Julian Strother and Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy are probably all ahead of him. He's had some games where he's led this team in scoring and he'll have more games where he leads this team in scoring, but it's easier for him to get open looks because of that role. We saw him shoot really well from the outside to start the season. He's kind of faded a little bit the last couple games as has most of the rest of the players on Gonzaga's roster. I do think that his experience playing, you know, against teams like Texas Tech in the past will help him. I think obviously Texas Tech's familiarity with him as a player will also help. So I don't know if it's a net gain or not, but I do think that, you know, having two guards in Bolton and Nembhard who have played high level basketball for multiple seasons, you know, I I mentioned Gonzaga's youth uh, early on in the show, and I still think that that's been a factor for them, but having these two guys in Nembhard and Bolton who have played multiple years of power five basketball coming into their Gonzaga careers, I think makes them more prepared for games like this. And I think Bolton, if he comes out, if he shoots it well, uh, he's obviously one of the fastest dudes I've ever seen. He's not a great defensive player, but he gets out in transition better than anybody uh, that Gonzaga's had in the last couple of years. So if he can get some easy buckets out in transition, hit some outside shots, put a little pressure on Tech's defense, I could see a situation where he's a really key piece of this game. Yeah, Bolton, I think, is going to be a very interesting player to stop because Tech really has never had to face him mm-hmm. as more of a complimentary piece. He's always mm-hmm. been sort of not – he's had to really carry a lot of the load for Iowa State yeah. with him there. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you mentioned earlier in the podcast kind of the way teams have been able to slow down Gonzaga's offense has been really pressuring the perimeter, mm-hmm. making sure the ball doesn't get inside to the bigs. But I'm wondering if you've seen any team that's really been able to implement a defensive strategy with the permutation that the ball gets into the paint to be able to stop the two bigs. Because it seems like from everything I've seen, especially the Texas and UCLA games, mm-hmm. it looks like, I mean, once the ball gets inside, it's very difficult to stop the, those guys. 
Yeah, well, Texas. So the Texas game was interesting. Obviously, Chris Beard, somebody you guys are quite familiar with, um, running that kind of no middle defensive strategy. And I think what happened for Texas is it was really early in the season and their their rosters completely overturned. They had a bunch of new transfers, a lot of freshmen, and I don't know that they were quite ready to run that defense. And so I mean, Gonzaga got the ball to Drew Timmy with completely effortlessly in that game. I mean, there was no, no inability to get the basketball to him. He had 37 points. Um, so that strategy did not work, but I don't think that that's, I think that was more of like their team just wasn't quite ready to execute it in a way that they um, probably will by the end of the season. Uh, UCLA was missing one of their big men, which was a factor as well. But I think there, there's attempts to double team. Obviously, as soon as Drew gets the ball, you try to throw the double team at him. I think what has caused a lot of problems is that Gonzaga likes to get the ball to the bigs from big to big. So they get the ball to Chet Holmgren. Chet makes the inbounds pass to Drew Timmy. If you send the double from Chet's guy, then he's just wide open, you know, right under the basket. They can make an easy pass that way. Um, so teams are starting to try to send double teams from the perimeter. That's the best way to do it because Gonzaga's outside shooting isn't great. So if you send, you know, Bolton's guy comes and tries to double Drew, Drew kicks it out, Bolton shoots the three. That's as a, as a defensive player, you're going to take Rasir Bolton's three over Drew Timmy in one-on-one -on -one coverage every single time because Drew Timmy is like 80% on one-on-one -on -one coverage. So there hasn't been a lot of really successful ways at stopping them. The, the, the Alabama's best strategy was foul Drew Timmy a lot in the first half. Uh, I believe in the first half of that game, Drew Timmy had taken two field goal attempts, but he had 10 points because he had, was like six for 11 or something from the free throw line. If he's struggling from the free throw line and you guys have the bigs to spare, that's maybe the best way to go about doing it. Um, but honestly, the best way that people have stopped those guys is forcing the guards to do something on their own. And against Alabama in particular, Gonzaga's guards were very deferential. They, they were running high pick and rolls. And as soon as they came off the screen, Andrew Nempard Bolton were never looking to shoot. They were looking to get rid of the ball as soon as they possibly could. And Alabama used that to their advantage and kind of immediately doubled Drew as soon before the pass even came down to him and kind of forced him to, to be uncomfortable as soon before he even got the basketball. I'm guessing that Mark Few and his staff will have made some adjustments to that and encourage their guards to be a little bit more aggressive coming off those pick and rolls, especially Nempard, who was one of the premier pick and roll players in the country when he was at Florida. I suspect that he's going to be a little bit more aggressive looking for his shots. But even that is probably an okay option. If you contest an Andrew Nempard driving lay-in, you're probably still going to prefer that over Drew in one-on-one -on -one coverage or Chet in one-on-one -on -one coverage because those are just basically automatic buckets at this point. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Gonzaga is tops in the nation in two-point field goal percentage. Hasn't really been a great answer there, and Texas Tech may end up sending Drew Timmy to the line 11 times anyways because foul trouble has been a problem for this team, especially down low. Again, we are joined by Andy Patton of the Locked On Zag Show. I mentioned Andy's content earlier. It is great, great stuff. He is free and available on all platforms, just like Locked On Texas Tech. Andy, you had a really good opening segment on your episode on Thursday that I think Texas Tech fans would really appreciate as kind of your parting words. And that was you gave a very quick and just like a nice bite-sized recipe for how to beat Gonzaga. Why don't you share with our listeners what that is? Because I think that there's some areas that Texas Tech can really capitalize on there. 
Yeah, I think uh, Gonzaga has been susceptible to certainly big physical guards pressuring them away from the basket. That's been a huge part of it. Gonzaga also turns the ball over a lot. uh, And lately their defense has, they earlier in the season, they were playing much more aggressive defense on the perimeter. And I've been screaming for them to continue to do that because they have the best or top five rim protector in the nation on their roster in Chet Holmgren. And one thing that Chet is so elite at is avoiding getting into foul trouble, which is incredibly rare for a freshman big. They usually get in foul trouble very frequently. He's great at that. And so Gonzaga has the ability to be very aggressive on the perimeter and force if, if tech beats them, if they get around them, then you have to try to score over Chet Holmgren. And lately, particularly against Alabama, Gonzaga was much more reactive defensively and let Alabama do what they wanted to do. So if they do that against tech and tech can drive, can dish, can shoot well from the outside, they put pressure on Gonzaga's guards on the perimeter, force them to turn the basketball over. This is what teams, the teams that have played Gonzaga well this year, Tarleton state, Duke and Alabama, obviously the way that those teams have beat them is by, is by putting that pressure, forcing them into a lot of turnovers and shooting well from the outside. Tech has the recipe to do that stuff. And if they go out and execute those three things, it's going to be a really close game. Uh, there's Gonzaga has proven they are beatable uh, without a doubt. Obviously, Duke and Alabama are very good teams, but not demonstrably better than Texas Tech. Certainly, Tarleton State, who kept it really close, is not the kind of team you would expect to keep it close against the Zags. So I think there's this team is in an interesting spot. They also just had a really long layoff because they missed a game against UW because of a COVID situation. So they haven't played in 10 days possible they come out a little flat if tech can put that pressure on them i think this could be a really really close game yeah a lot of factors even outside of the fact that texas tech does seem to match up well on paper like you mentioned gonzaga coming off i think it's 10 days off this Mm -hmm. game is at noon which will be at like 10 a.m for gonzaga time which is just definitely a lot of weird factors but should be a very very good game on saturday huge thank you to andy for joining us today giving us some insight on the Zags. Again, go subscribe to his podcast, Locked on Zags, free and available on all platforms, and follow him on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. Andy, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. Awesome. In our next segment, we're going to be breaking down our keys to the game, our final score prediction, and our potential player of the game. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich in decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, yet still high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors you're going to have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you the extra energy you need this holiday season. So tell Santa to throw a few built Bars in those stockings this year. If you're putting one in mine, make sure it's raspberry. But with so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. That's built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. All right, we are closing in on our final segment of the show it's almost time for this massive Gonzaga game. I'm I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a really, really good game, I think. As I just mentioned, 
It is at Ta- Talking Stick Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. So a neutral site contest. It has a noon tip, which is really strange. Could be more of a difference maker for Gonzaga than I think it will for Texas Tech. But I think that this is just a very, very intriguing matchup on paper. As Andy mentioned, big physical guards. That's something Texas Tech has a lot of. Playing aggressive, that's something Texas Tech is going to want to do. But I think shooting the ball well is going to be a huge difference maker for Texas Tech in this game. They've got to be able to make open shots. They've got to be able to protect the ball. And they've got to win the turnover battle. I think Texas Tech has really made a bread and butter of winning on the glass this year and just out-rebounding opponents a lot, getting a lot of second-chance points. You're not going to be able to do that against Gonzaga. Um, you might be able, to, you might finish the game with an advantage, but you are not going to dominate the glass against this team. This is a team that grabs more than 40 rebounds a game and has really limited their opponents well. So if you're hoping to just get those those easy ones, I, I don't think you're going to be able to get it. What this game really boils down to for me is if Texas Tech can shoot the ball better than Gonzaga from deep, which I think they have the tools to, and if they can protect the basketball. Yeah, I'm usually one that talks a lot about winning on the mar- in, within the margins and just doing the little things that add up to a victory. And that would be like grabbing offensive rebounds, getting deflections, being able to get loose balls. And honestly, and this is a rare case where I don't really feel like that's the major key from Tech in this game because I think it's going to more or less even out. Like obviously the pressure on the defensive end is something that I think Tech can really take advantage of. But offensively, I think it's just going to come down to can you make shots? Can you force Gonzaga's defense into difficult situations? Because that's the real question mark. Because we know Tech's going to have a philosophy that should be able to give Gonzaga some difficulties. Now, is it going to, are they going to get their points? Probably. I think Gonzaga still has an avenue to score pretty efficiently. They're, they shoot over 64% from the inside for a reason, nearly 74% in the paint. Like, there's going to be success from Gonzaga in this game on the offensive end, but I also feel like Tech has the system and the personnel to be able to give Gonzaga really real fits on that end. On the offensive end, though, it's just going to come down to if Tech can make shots, and especially from the perimeter, because that's where, like Kenny mentioned, I feel like Gonzaga has somewhat of a softer defense than what we've seen from other teams, such as Tennessee, for example, really played an aggressive physical style of perimeter defense. Gonzaga's personnel really isn't suited to play that consistently. And I think that's going to be what this game comes down to, because if Tech is able to make their shots and able to make them from the perimeter, I have confidence in the rest of the game plan coming into fruition and being able to give Gonzaga fits on their side of the ball. But it's going to be very close, I think, and certainly one that could go either way. And I really like Andy's kind of concept around the idea of preventing the ball from getting inside. I mean, you mentioned that exact concept on our preview the day before, where we talked about um, you highlighted what Duke did against Gonzaga and really prevented the ball from getting inside easily. I think that that's something not only that Texas Tech should replicate, but something that they can. I think they have the bodies to do that, and I think that they definitely have the defensive ability to slow down the ball from getting inside easily. That's definitely something I'm going to be looking for in tomorrow's game. And also um, just want to highlight the fact that there are a number of Red Raiders battling injuries right now. Um, Miley Wilson, I, I imagine he'll be out. It sounds almost certain that he'll be out. 
um, as the team kind of figures if he's going to be getting a surgery done or not. But I, I imagine he will not play at all. Um, Terrence Shannon Jr. obviously played about 20 seconds of that Arkansas State second half, left with what is labeled as back spasms. I, I don't see a world where he doesn't play. Um, maybe he'll be on a minutes restriction or something, but just knowing him and his competitive drive, he he's not going to let himself sit out of this game unless he is medically forced to. Marcus Santos Silva battling a toe injury, but he looked a lot better against Arkansas State. So a number of Red Raiders down, but you still definitely have the talent to compete in this game. I mean, it comes down to guys like Kevin McCuller stepping up in a big way. I think that that 20-piece against Arkansas State might have been helpful just to give him a little bit more juice. Um, You've got key players like Davion Warren, who had a quiet night the other day. I think that this could be a really big game for him, not only offensively but defensively. And then we've talked a lot about Daniel Baccio and his role in this game. Again, not a guy that's put up crazy offensive numbers, but that's just been a key component on the defensive end for Texas Tech. Emory, is there any Texas Tech player in specific besides Daniel Baccio that you're watching in this game to be kind of a key difference maker? I think it's got to be Davion Warren. I think if you look at the perimeter guys, certainly you would expect TJ Shannon to get a lot of on-ball reps guarding someone like Andrew Nembhard because I feel like that's something Nembhard may be a little bit susceptible to is playing against length, especially against Wendell Moore this year. He struggled. I feel like even against UCLA and to some degree Alabama, we saw them sort of bringing on these wing, wing height guys and guys that can play both as a big guard and as a wing and have the speed to defend ones. And I think TJ is going to kind of take on that role, but certainly someone like Davion Warren, especially with Miley Wilson gone, is going to take on a lot of on-ball responsibility and just being that disruptor. And if he can have the instincts and reactions that he's had in the last few games and being able to get deflections and just make life difficult for their ball handlers, I think it's going to be absolutely critical to Tech's victory because I have confidence that someone like Shannon's going to be able to really kind of limit someone's productivity. But I think it's the other guys like Davion, even Kevin McCuller, Dennis Arms, all of those guys are going to play a critical point in being able to slow down Gonzaga's guards. And I think that's going to be where the game is won or lost because I really don't see a way that you can contain both Timmy and Holgram without really impacting the perimeter and slowing down their guards from even getting the ball to them. Yeah, it definitely feels like you want a lot of guys to be stepping up, especially on the defensive end. You mentioned Adonis Arms. That's a really good shout because even if he's not doing a ton offensively, he's a guy that will match up really well against these Gonzaga guards. So let's go ahead and let's give our predictions for this just huge, huge game. I mean, Texas Tech might not play a more important game than than Baylor. I think that game's like in the second or third week of January. So a big one. For, for Texas Tech coming up, and um, I'm I'm not going to pick Texas Tech to win this game, but I, I will say this. That is in no way a set-in-stone thing where I think Texas Tech will lose. I think there's a really good chance that Texas Tech will be really competitive in this game, and there's a number of, of certain scenarios and possibilities where I think they win this game. But I, I think the most likely scenario is that Gonzaga leaves with the win. I just think that what they have inside is too much. Um, they're just they're too good 
inside. And I, I just don't see a world where Texas Tech is able to slow that down at a proficient level. So I'm going to go Gonzaga, 78, Texas Tech, 70. So a close game. Texas Tech hangs around. You know, a, a single-digit loss. I think you take that. And then my player of the game, I'm I'm also going to go Davion Warren. I think that a lot of attention is going to go to Shannon on the offensive end. I think a lot of attention is going to go to McCuller. As those two guys kind of draw a lot of that Gonzaga attention, I think he's a guy that needs to step up and make shots. So not taking Texas Tech in this one, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Emery, because you have a deceivious grin on your face right now. I'm going to go for it. Ultimate homer move, drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to say Texas Tech comes out with a 64-62 to 62 victory in this one. And I think it all relies on the defensive end because, I mean, I look at the struggles that Gonzaga has had this time this year, at times this year, and it's all stuff that Texas Tech can do to a level that I think is honestly higher than anyone else that they faced this year. I mean, you talk about putting pressure on opponents on the perimeter. Nobody does that better than Tech over the last few years. I mean, you've got so many wings that can defend at a high level. You can put length on pretty much all of their guards, whether it be Nemhard, whether it be Rozier Bolton, or Hunter Salas off the bench. All of those guys have been prone to turning the ball over at times. And Rozier Bolton, it might be a different role that he's playing in this game, but he's still fundamentally the same guy. The Tech's been able to force at least four turnovers against in every game he's played against them in his career. And I think Nembhard's a guy that's going to be more of a worry because he can play under control and is really good at the pick and roll. But Tech's faced guards like that and been able to shut them down. And I feel like a team that consistently has struggled against pressure is a team that can really struggle against Tech. We saw it against Tennessee. Or, I mean, they looked unbeatable at times against teams like Carolina early in the season. But against Tech, could not get anything going in the half court. And I think what gives me optimism is against both Providence and Tennessee, which were two completely different teams, Tech was able to hold their offenses absolutely in check for a good 10 to 12 minutes. And I feel like in this game, you add on the fact that Gonzaga hasn't played in a few games. And really the pressure is on them to be able to get out of that rut because I feel like Tech is going to play with a lot less to lose. And I think you, even if it doesn't go their way, you're still going to learn a lot about this game. But I have enough faith in the defense being able to execute and the offense just getting enough points on the board. And I think I'm going to go for player of the game. I'm going to go with TJ Shannon, just because I feel like defensively he can be a real disruptor just because of how tight he can play off the ball. And then as well as that being a real good on-ball defender against someone like Nimford or Bolton. And then offensively being able to carry the load because being able to create shots from the perimeter is going to be critical in this game. And I feel like he can do that just enough. And I want to say that's a hot take, but I mean, I really don't feel like it is. I mean, Andy gave us the rundown himself. He's watched more Gonzaga basketball than either of us have this year. And he mentioned big physical guards. Texas Tech has that. Gonzaga gets into into turnover trouble at time. You just mentioned that Rasir Bolton has had issues. There's a number of guys on their bench that have had issues, and Texas Tech can capitalize on that as they have with a number of other opponents. And I just think, like, the pieces are there for Texas Tech to leave Phoenix with a win. The pieces are there. It's just a matter of execution. And this team is is still pretty young. They, they've had some growing pains at times. They've got a good 
a good quality win over a top 15 team at a neutral site, I think that helps. I think that plays into your, your advantage a little bit, but man, I, I wish I could take it, but I'm going to be watching very closely and hoping that you prove me wrong and you just have so much juice to come in and roast me on Monday, which is when we will be back. Locked on Texas Tech is free and available on all platforms, and we upload episodes every weekday, not on the weekend, so we will not have initial reactions after that Gonzaga game, but we will give you a 30-minute recap on that game on Monday to break down all the notable things that happened in that game. Just want to take a second to give a huge thanks to Andy for joining today's episode. Uh, I mean, seriously, I, I learned a lot about Gonzaga as I listened to his episode on Texas Tech. So go go check out Locked on Zags. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a new subscriber and listener after hearing Andy's thoughts. Follow him on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. And just again, huge thank you for him uh, coming on our show today. You can follow me on Twitter at our Mainville LBK. You can follow Emery on Twitter at eraser41. And we want you to follow our official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. This is a great place for you to let us know what you're feeling about the show, what you want to see, and to ask us questions and to gain our insight. But thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Key with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on Monday.